Hello and welcome everyone to episode 29 of the Ducky O'Brien Show. And today we have four more games to cover. Sunken Land, which is a survival crafting game set in a water world kind of like setting. Ghost Pia Season 1, which is a kinetic visual novel. Rhapsody 2, Ballad of the Little Princess, which is a old school JRPG on the PlayStation 1. And then Hyenas, which is sort of like an extraction slash battle royale shooter. Alright, I'd like to note here that I am recording on a new setup. I'm traveling recently. I'm visiting me grandmoms. So I'm using a microphone in my laptop. It might sound a little different, but hopefully it's good enough for you guys. I will, of course, do my best to edit it as best as possible. And I would also like to thank people for dropping in. I do make a video version of this most of the time. So if you're watching it on YouTube, if you're listening to it on my podcast feed, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. I wanted to say that because not everyone makes it to the end. So I'd like to thank you guys at the very beginning. Why don't we get started on Sunken Land? Sunken Land is the very definition of jank. There are so many quality of life features missing, so many bugs, so many things that are imbalanced, and just overall very rough edges on almost every mechanic you interact with. Yet, I can't deny after close to 19 hours into the game, there is something definitely magical about it. Or it could just be me and I'm a crazy person. I definitely do love survival crafting games and enjoy almost all of them to some degree. I do look at these type of games more favorably than other people would, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. To start with, let me go over some of the rough qualities of this game that may be off-putting, especially to those that don't like survival crafting games to begin with. Most sane developers will make it so that you can just hold the harvesting button and the character in-game will continue that action. For example, in most survival crafting games and even in farming sims, you usually hold down the left mouse button to have the character continue to chop down a tree. Currently in Sunken Land, you must click for every single swing of the axe. Talk about a recipe for early carpal tunnel syndrome and arthritis. You have a pretty small backpack to begin with and even after upgrading, you are constantly struggling for space. Every single clothing and decorative item takes up a single slot. Yes, even two identical shirts take up two separate slots. You do have a boat at your disposal, but the storage on that is limited as well, with no option to upgrade. Combine this with the fact that stack sizes are pretty darn small. A full stack of ore is only 5 ores. A full stack of scrap is only 10 scrap. These are actually very small stack sizes relative to the amount of resources you actually need, as well as the sheer amount of resources available at each location. For example, one metal wall uses 10 scrap by itself. These small stack sizes results in a very tedious back and forth between your base and the location you are currently scavenging from. The developers did release an update that supposedly increased stack sizes, but I didn't notice much of a difference unless you had to start a new save file, which I'm not going to do. There are other quality of life issues such as your hotbar only holding 6 items, general lack of polish in almost every area, and lack of clear vision and direction, but despite the shortcomings, I find myself coming back to the game. There's a strange sort of appeal and charm that grows as you keep playing the game. Rust manages to capture this feeling quite well, especially when playing with friends. 
Nothing beats using a MIDI player to rickroll the people raiding your base with the in-game musical instruments, all the while spouting obscene nonsense using proximity voice chat. I have some very fond memories in Rust playing with friends. Now, Sunken Land doesn't quite have the same level of charm presented through the wacky and unpredictable moments created by dealing with other real human beings, but it does come pretty close. Sunken Land doesn't have PvP per se, but it does have a friendly fire option. This enables servers to create the feeling of PvP if so desired. You don't have to engage with strangers, and the game is totally playable as a solo player. The balancing might be a bit off, however, as the game seems to be designed with multiple players in mind. One feature of Sunken Land is that NPC parties will come raid your base, with the raids growing in difficulty as time progresses. The raiding parties will attack you anywhere, by the way. Even if you build your base out in the middle of the sea, these goofy raiders will shoot you with obvious auto-aim while swimming in the ocean. If you choose not to take action, they will eventually destroy all your base, so negligence is not an option. There is a very humorous way to skip raids, however. If you simply quit and reload the game, the raiders will despawn. There's no telling when this will be removed, so feel free to use it while you still can. While the raids are quite annoying, the enemies do bring pretty valuable loot in the form of cloth, ammunition, and later on ballistic fiber, which is used to craft high-tier armor. If you don't find the idea of raids appealing, you can simply turn them off completely when starting a new world. I don't mind them too much, but sometimes it is a bit too much to handle when playing solo. As for the gunplay, the crossbow is the weapon that is the most reliable early game, and it feels pretty satisfying when you land a shot from far away. I ended up driving my rusty pedal boat a nice distance off of enemy bases, and aiming high enough to land headshots from that distance. The enemies won't react, and even if they do, they can't shoot you from their range. Sometimes it takes a bit of trial and error, but after a while you get the hang of it, and some moments later, the base is free of enemies. It feels pretty close to the shooting and rust, but with some moments where you miss a shot that you felt should have hit. Later on, you can find or craft guns, and guns do become necessary as the raiders and NPCs will have higher level armor. The crossbow will take forever to take out enemies later on. As for the magical part, there's just something about diving undersea and seeing all the wreckage and hauling back a large amount of loot, and then researching new tech to make harvesting and fighting much easier. You can then take your new upgrades onto land bases held by hostile factions, and systematically take down the enemies before stealing everything the base has to offer. You also have to actually put a little effort into building your base, since the enemy raiders will eventually bring guns to the fight. Making a massive base is rather expensive, so it forces you to be creative with your layouts and make efficient use of all the available space. The enemy weapons are no joke as well. Their guns will easily kill you if you have no cover, so some strategic placement of barricades will be necessary. Between diving underwater, raiding bases on land, and building up your own base to defend against raids, something clicked with me and I started to enjoy the game. This isn't to say some aspects of the game aren't annoying or without valid criticism as mentioned before. It's that the game has some magical charm to it. The unfortunate thing is that with some games, you can clearly tell the developers intentionally designed the game with the magic in mind, while Sunken Land seems to have stumbled onto the magic by mistake. Here's to hoping the developers don't make it a worse experience and rather make it better.
For additional information, the game currently has a review score of 78% positive with a total of 5,397 reviews as of this writing on September 11, 2023. The game was developed and published by Vector3 Studio. It was released on August 25, 2023 with an MSRP of $19.99 US dollars. I did receive a key from Keymailer. Thanks to the amazing person for approving my request. I currently have a total of 8.9 hours spent in the game, and there are no achievements. Now we'll be moving on to Ghost Pia Season 1. Ghost Pia is a kinetic visual novel. I mistakenly thought that this meant that the visual novel had animated sequences, but the kinetic actually just refers to a visual novel with no choices. You simply read the narrative and you can't pick your own options. I don't really have a problem with this as I enjoy reading anyways. I don't usually read a lot of visual novels to begin with, but I have read a few that I thoroughly enjoy such as Seventh Layer. That one I couldn't put down until I finished. While I don't consider visual novels technically a quote-unquote game, Ghost Pia is enjoyable for the most part. The art style is fantastic and the story is a nice blend of wholesome friendship, comic violence, and mystery. The main protagonist is what I would definitely call emo, and this may be a hit or miss depending on the reader. I personally lean towards more on valuing stoicism and practical problem solving, so the main character was not as relatable to me. It also made some of the dialogue feel a bit more contrived and ham-fisted, but I also do realize that some people will actually find it very relatable. It all depends on the lens you view the world through, I guess. The main protagonist aside, the narrative feels like a slow thriller with some mystery due to most characters having selective amnesia. There seems to have been a major traumatic event that everyone has forgotten about. There are vague hints dropped here and there throughout each episode of the story. The pieces start falling into place giving a partial glimpse into what happened but never the whole picture. There's also the interesting premise of whether or not past scenes shown are flashback sequences visions of the future, or if this entire story is repeating endlessly. It definitely piqued my interest and kept me guessing throughout the entire story. Mixed within the elements of mystery is a rather wholesome friendship between three friends. Juxtaposed against this is some rather comic violence. While the inhabitants of the story cannot die, being immortal and simply respawning in the neighborhood garbage dump, there is a lot of fighting and people being killed. This leads to the feeling that not all is as it seems. There's also an undercurrent of unease when the main protagonist encounters a certain homeless person, as well as glimpses into a possible past life during some scenes. Everything starts to tie together and makes more sense as you get closer to the final episode. Tying everything together is a pretty solid soundtrack. I found myself nodding along to some of the more jazzier tracks in the game. Overall, Ghost P is a solid narrative experience. The art style is fantastic, the music is great, and the story manages to balance levity, a sense of humor and mischief, and some heavier themes in a nice seamless flow. The sprinkling of mystery and intrigue also keeps you invested in the story in order to figure out how everything ties together. For additional information, the game currently has a review score of 95% positive reviews with a total of 47 reviews as of this writing on September 12, 2023. The game was developed by Cho Suido and was published by Room 6 and Yokaze. It was released on August 22, 2023 with an MSRP of $19.99 US dollars. 
I received a free key from Keymailer thanks to the radical person for approving my request. I spent a total of 4.8 hours so far with 23 out of 36 achievements unlocked. I'm currently on episode 4 and there are 5 episodes total. I gotta say I am enjoying Ghostpia. It is definitely not a game. You are simply reading text. There are some images. Some of them might be animated. The soundtrack is awesome. So just letting you guys know because people might not want to read. I haven't gotten to the end yet, but so far what I've seen is pretty good and gripping. Alright, why don't we move on to the next game, Rhapsody 2, Ballad of the Little Princess. Rhapsody 2, Ballad of the Little Princess takes place after some years have passed following the events of the first Rhapsody game. You play as Kururu, the daughter of Cornette, as she ventures forth to find a dashing prince of her own. Now, I didn't manage to play the first Rhapsody game, although it was on my wanted list way back in the PlayStation 1 era. It was a hard-to-find game back then. Someone did drop by my stream and mention that the first Rhapsody game was a turn-based tactical role-playing game, whereas the second game is more of a traditional turn-based RPG. Shout-out to Keith. I have no frame of reference to compare the second Rhapsody game, but from what I played, I can say that I thoroughly enjoyed it. Ballad of the Little Princess is a very charming and silly adventure with a narrative that feels very structured and easy to understand. Even though the game came out during what I consider the peak of classic Japanese RPGs, it actually breaks from the standard formula in a way that I find endearing. When I think of older JRPGs, I usually think of 10-hour introduction sequences with tutorials, convoluted but amazing in my opinion plotlines, and anywhere from 60 to 100 hours grinding to 100% the game. I don't mean any of this to be demeaning by the way, I used to be a very big fan of the genre to the point that I would only play these type of games, and the PlayStation 1 was my favorite console. Rhapsody 2 does away with a lot of this, and instead presents itself with a very easy to follow structure. The game is divided into acts, and each act takes around an hour or two hours to complete. You can spend more time to collect all the puppets or power level if you want to, but otherwise the acts are nice and concise. Each act has a clear beginning, usually with Kururu escaping her castle to go out on an adventure with her childhood friends Kriya and Randy. Kururu always manages to get herself into some shenanigans, intersected by random musical bits. Yes, you heard me correctly. The game frequently breaks into musical routines. The game is a musical adventure after all. As a side note, while the voice acted lines of dialogue do have an English dub option, the musical routines are all in Japanese. While the game does have the traditional element of very frequent random combat encounters, the levels themselves are usually short and it's very easy to get overpowered in this game. With only about an hour of grinding, I got to the point where my party was taking zero damage. It wasn't technically zero damage, but just below one, and the game rounded it to zero for the display. The point is that the combat is very forgiving, and you don't really need to spend tens of hours grinding to beat a section. The combat sections are usually bookended by cutscenes setting the premise of the act and ending with some sort of conclusion, so it's very easy to follow along with what is going on. Each act usually focuses on one simple plot point, like Kururu going out to get some ice cream in Act 2. Let's just say Kururu will never look at ice cream the same ever again, and neither will I. 
The combat is pretty straightforward and easy to grasp. Each character has their basic attack and a set of special attacks that use health points. You can also assign up to 3 puppets to each character. The puppets give a stat boost as well as access to spells that cost money to use. This creates an interesting balance of having to use health or money to do more damage, but the combat is a bit more on the shallow side so it never really gets complicated. You obtain puppets by interacting with people and or puppets in the world or by defeating enemies in combat. There's a random chance an enemy might turn into a puppet and join your party and this is where I spent most of the time grinding since I'm a completionist and I wanted every single puppet. As for the story, it's very silly and lighthearted. It manages to capture the feeling of those wholesome Saturday morning cartoons. Knowing anime, even the most wholesome of plotlines can turn dark and depressing. But Rhapsody 2 manages to keep a spirit of levity in almost every aspect for the most part. As an example of humor that always gets to me, Rhea is a little girl that pulls out a massive handgun and equips Say No to Violence while blasting the enemies to Kingdom Come. Rhapsody is full of tiny moments like that. Overall, Rhapsody 2 Ballad of the Little Princess is a classic JRPG with a structure that's easy to understand and with gameplay that minimizes tedium while focused on the smooth delivery of the narrative. It's an enjoyable, lighthearted romp for fans of classic RPGs. For additional information, the game currently has a review score of 90% positive with a total of 11 reviews as of this writing on September 12, 2023. The game was developed by Nipponichi Software Inc. and Engine Software BV. It was published by NIS America Inc. and it was released on August 29, 2023 for Steam with an MSRP of $24.99. Now you can buy all three Rhapsody games for cheaper, but I'm just mentioning the price because I only played the second one so far. I've spent a total of 7.2 hours so far with a total of 3 out of 21 achievements. I'm currently on Act 3 and I'm grinding to get uh, one last puppet before finishing the act and moving on to Act 4. I'm actually still playing through Labyrinth of Galeria. I'm at the quote-unquote second part. I'm trying to avoid spoilers here and let me tell you, it is kind of (laughs) grindy. I kind of took a break and I haven't gone back to it, but I, I, I should beat it. Anyways, while I was playing Rhapsody 2, it did bring back a lot of nostalgia playing JRPGs on the PlayStation 1. And as I was observing it, I noticed that there was a lot of love and care put into games back then. But they also had a lot of limitations, so they would reuse certain assets or certain parts of the game to save memory and save additional work. Uh, So it's kind of interesting playing back older games and seeing little tricks they did to get around either hardware limitations or budget limitations. Okay, moving on to the last game, I got into the Hyena's Clothes beta. The beta should be over by the recording of this podcast. Why don't we get into it? Hyena's is an interesting take on the extraction shooter genre. The extraction part is not focused so much on obtaining loot like an escape from Tarkov, where any gear you bring in is lost forever if you die, but you do get to keep everything you do bring out. Games like Tarkov create a high risk versus high reward style of play, where bringing in better guns and gear means a better chance of getting out alive, but also carries the higher risk of losing everything with other players targeting you. Hyenas instead focuses on forcing combat encounters through the extraction mechanic. 
How this game works is five teams of three players compete to be the first team to extract. Only one team makes it out alive with loot. To get the loot, your squad needs to successfully clear a vault. The vault spawns multiple waves of NPCs. Just like Battle Royale games, you can totally third-party the team raiding the vault. There is a risk, however, if you wait too long. If a team clears a vault and escapes in time, you will simply lose. The NPCs that spawn can also call in reinforcements, making the wave take much longer to clear. All these mechanics mix together to create an interesting take on extraction and squad shooters. There is definitely a whole lot of nuance to the gameplay. If you rush a vault haphazardly without looting upgrades first in the green zones, you can totally die to a team lying in wait. If you successfully clear a vault and rush the exit, all the enemy teams can definitely just rush you and take you out while you wait to extract, since there is a timer that must be cleared before you get to exit. You can also risk going after all the enemy squads in an attempt to steal their loot and get out with an even bigger haul. There's many small decisions to make based on whatever intel you have available. As for the upgrades, they appear in the green sections of the map. They keep the upgrade system very simple with gray, blue, and purple shields like an Apex. You can also get three attachments for your guns and up to two types of grenades. The grenades can have utility like creating a foam wall. The performance of the attachments and grenades progress the same as armor, except it goes all the way up to gold, and those are usually located in the vaults. While the game was definitely interesting to play, it had the same problems as other battle royales. If a teammate goes off on their own and plays too aggressively, you'll be down a teammate and most likely lose future encounters. You can still revive a teammate, but there's some overhead to do so. The game is heavily reliant on teamwork and cooperation. There is another major problem with the game, however, mostly in how the progression system is designed. According to what I have read, the developers are leaning towards making Hyenas a paid game. However, when they played the closed beta, it had all the trappings of a free-to-play game with daily challenges, many progression trackers, and so forth. A paid game relying on the fear of missing out and manipulative tactics often found in free-to-play games does not really bode well for the longevity of the game. There are also two forms of currency, which may suggest a possible cash shop in the game. I sure hope this isn't the case if the game is not going to be free. The lack of clear direction and vision doesn't stop there. There is an issue with how the different currencies work in the game. You can get the default currency by completing dailies, or by selling the loot you obtain with successful extractions. So far, you can spend the currency to unlock new characters as well as additional skins. Again, this is found in free-to-play models, not paid games. If you choose to add the loot to your collection instead of selling them, you gain reputation points. It wasn't clear what the reputation points do either. There's also a second currency with no explanation as to what it did as well. That's three different stats to track in a supposedly paid game with all three stats doing different things. It should simply be one thing to track and one thing to unlock everything. This just feels like the game is going to add a cash app later down the road, or maybe even at launch. It feels honestly very confusing and dishonest at this point. Aside from the lackluster progression system, there are some interesting design elements. Aside from the negative scene in the lackluster progression system, I do find some positives in the interesting design elements of the game. The game has multiple characters you can choose from, each with their own unique primary weapon, 
tactical ability, passive perk, and secondary weapons. Each character feels pretty different since everyone has a different loadout. The tactical abilities are all different as well. I personally enjoyed playing the character wearing a Nixon mask. He had a shotgun and an automated sentry turret. It allowed me to create some space while getting up close and personal in a more aggressive playstyle. You can tweak your playstyle by which grenades you equip. The game also has a decent movement system. You can run and slide around, but added on top of this is a zero gravity mechanic. Some areas have no gravity to begin with, while some rooms have switches to turn the gravity on or off. During my time with the game, most people just played with the gravity turned on since it was easier to move and shoot, but who knows what kind of strategies people might come up with once the game has been out for a while. Overall, Hyenas has some interesting mechanics that do show some promise, but the UI is very confusing and the progression system relies on common FOMO tactics found in free-to-play games. There might be something special here if the developers focus on making the game as fun as possible without diluting or confusing the focus with needless and useless tactics to prolong engagement, especially if this game is going to cost money up front. For additional information, the game doesn't have a review score as of this writing on September 12, 2023, as the game isn't out yet. The game is being developed by Creative Assembly, and it's going to be published by Sega, and it should be coming out soon, and there is no pricing information. I spent a total of 3 hours in the closed beta, and there are no achievements available. Alright, that's gonna be it. That has been episode 29 of the Ducky O'Brien Show. I realize these, uh, a lot of these games aren't really technically indie games, but I'm just gonna call my episode Indie Games Galore, because that's what I've been doing for like the past 3 episodes. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I did see a pretty big bump in traffic. I don't know where these listens are coming in from. But if you're new to the show, if you're enjoying it, please feel free to let me know. You can contact me through email at duckyobrienshow at gmail.com. That's spelled D-U-C-K-Y-O-B-R-I-E-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Once again, the email is duckyobrienshow at gmail.com. I also make YouTube preview videos for each game I cover. It's unedited footage. I do have commentary on there, but if you don't want that, you can mute it. I have those linked in the show notes. I also stream the games on Twitch, so there's multiple ways to reach me or watch me cover games if that's something you want. Okay, that's it. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and I will let people know I make random episodes. I don't have a regular release schedule. It's just whenever I feel like making an episode, I make one. And also, I might cover different topics on every episode. I might not be covering indie games every episode. So I realized, you know, it might not be the podcast people want, but it's the podcast I wanted to make. So (laughs) I apologize for the lack of coherency in terms of the type of content. But essentially, I see this podcast as sort of my own show. It's the Ducky O'Brien show. So whenever I want to do, that's what I do. Hopefully you enjoy it. Anyways, that's going to be it. Before I keep rambling, thank you very much for watching. And I will catch you guys next time.